Welcome to the Free Birth Podcast, a supportive space for people who are learning, exploring, and celebrating their autonomous choices in childbirth. Together, we'll unpack truths, share personal stories, and claim our ability to birth freely and intuitively. Here's your host, Emily Saldea. This week, we're joined by Lel from Tasmania. Having suffered a fourth-degree tear that required surgery immediately following her unmedicated hospital birth, she was surprised to find no care providers would support her in a second vaginal birth. Facing a completely unnecessary and unwanted C-section, she randomly discovered Freebirth Society's Instagram page and then this very podcast. Lel tells us her story of birthing her second child with just her husband and son by the fire in her home. So with the first birth, I was really excited about the actual process of giving birth, but I was really scared about being a mother. I had a lot of fear around that. And so um, in the lead up to the birth, I was really um, nervous about what was going to come after it, but I was excited about the physical aspect of giving birth. So I did a lot of research and really looked into it, and I, I had a lot of sort of bad dreams around um, the time, but nothing to do with the birth. But I do think it was my mind just processing what was coming Mm -hmm. in the future. And then, um, so basically, I reached the the 40-week mark, according to the due date that they had given me. And then I was very lucky in that I had a client who was coming to me for massage, who was a midwife at the local hospital. So I was able to ask her to deliver the baby for me, and I knew her so well. And so she was really involved in the lead-up up up to the birth. She did all of our checks, all of our tests. She knew exactly what I wanted. So we could discuss it in depth in the lead-up. And so when it actually came to giving birth, she didn't have any questions for me because we had spoken about it so often. So I felt very safe going into labor with her Hmm. there with us. And then she had another assistant midwife who she had chosen. So, um, she, which really helped as well, obviously, because then they were on a similar level, the two of them together. So we um, went into labor, and then I labored at home for 10 hours. And I was, I don't ever remember feeling fearful during the labor. I was just so excited. That's all I remember hmm. to be experiencing this massive um, physical transformation. Hmm. I was just really excited. And I really felt like I could do it. I wanted to do it naturally. I wanted to do it drug free. I really wanted that that feeling of power afterwards that I had heard people speak about after the baby comes out of you and you just think, oh my goodness, I did this. Mm. So, yeah, so um, we eventually, my husband phoned the hospital after 10 hours of labor here at home and just moving between the lounge and the bath and outside in the drizzle just as I needed to. And then he phoned them and he said, should we come in? And they had done an internal check on me because I was a couple of days over, according to their due date, and they had said that I was already three centimeters dilated wow. when I had gone in the day before. And I I had mild backache at that stage, but nothing significant. It wasn't even like a period pain. So they thought I would have already have had the baby by now. <laughs> it was already it was already hours later. It was the following day. As if so it was said, that in. sort of a perfect science, huh? Exactly, exactly. Well, the doctor actually said to me, you'll have delivered within the next seven hours. Oh, wow. And it was actually, <laughs> it was only seven hours later that I actually woke up having contractions. It blows my mind so was- how many providers do that, how they act like we're all these predictable machines that they can like make bets on. It's so wild. Like, haven't they learned anything? 
I know it, it's so crazy, and it's it's also it's such a strange situation to be in as the person waiting for the baby to come because you're sitting there thinking, okay, right. when is the baby going to come? Totally. And then you eventually just go to bed and go to sleep because nothing significant is happening. Yeah, so it's very confusing. But mm-hmm. then um, we when I when my husband phoned and then the hospital said head on over and we'll check when you get here so we got in the car and we headed to the hospital and then the they said to me get on the bed and we want to do an internal check and I just couldn't lie down mm-hmm. I couldn't lie down it was impossible for me I wanted to be on all fours that's what my body was telling me the whole time and so I said I can't lie down and they said well just try in between contractions so I got on my back on the bed and they tried to do an internal check but I just it was a force that I couldn't control that just got me off the bed onto the ground and onto all fours Mm -hmm. again it was the only position my body wanted to be in so my husband had parked and he came up to the hospital they led me straight to the birthing suite and they called our midwife and told her you need to get here as soon as possible because they had realized I was really progressed (laughs) and and then I when she arrived, I got into the bathtub and the water, they just turned the shower head on so the water was just falling down on my back, which was so relaxing. It just made such a difference. And also I was just constantly saying to myself, Lau, you can do this. You're doing so well. You're amazing. Just affirming myself the whole mm-hmm. time because I felt my, my body knew what it was doing. Mm-hmm. My mind needed to just remain calm Mm. and just let my body do its thing. And then eventually they asked me to get out of the tub, which I did. And then I went, so my husband was sitting on the couch and I squatted in between his legs. And then I just felt the desire to push. And so I pushed really, really hard. And in hindsight, I believe that I was pushing too hard. I didn't realize that, in fact, the baby would know or would be able to get out of my body itself. I felt like I mm. needed to assist it in that. Totally. And I wish I had known that, I, yes, I could have just let the baby come in its own pace rather than trying to force so hard. God, that's, such, was really, that's such a good yeah. point. You know, we're, we're not in this in a society where babies are delivered and where babies are pulled out and where the vast majority of women are numbed, they do have to be told how to push. And so the cultural amnesia, you know, has occurred that as women, it has stopped being normal knowledge, you know, common knowledge that the baby really births themselves through a fetal ejection reflex, right? That we all have, but that's such a good point. Like, unless you're let in on this little secret that the baby pushes essentially births themselves, um, right. Of course, you're going to think that you have to do all of it. Exactly. And that's also our exposure in the media too. Whenever you see a woman giving a birth, in the movies, they're pushing so hard. And they're they're and so mim- I- they're mimicking epidurals because they're always on their back in a gown with their legs spread open with a doctor in front of their vagina ready to catch or pull. And so it's it's um visually like the programming is, oh, of course they're on an epidural, you know, because no woman, like as you just described, no woman who's having a physiological birth is going to want to be a turtle on their shell. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I was quite surprised by the fact that I wanted to go on all fours throughout the entire labor because I expected that I would want to lie on my back or else potentially on my side but mm-hmm. I never imagined on all fours mm-hmm. and so it was quite interesting in the process that that is exactly what was comfortable for me and I also feel in squatting and then pushing I was really changing what was comfortable for me mm-hmm. yeah so um 
so my husband, he really wanted to be as involved as possible in helping, and he was so helpful throughout the entire labor, just putting cool cloths on my head and reaffirming what I was saying to myself. And just um, when it came to the actual, he wanted to catch the baby initially, but when it came to the end of the labor, I think he felt I needed his assistance and so he held me in his arms and he just breathed with me and it felt as if he was also just pushing the baby down and helping the baby out and he was talking to the baby in Afrikaans in his language and saying you can come now and then the baby began to crown and it was so painful (laughs) And and I was saying before it really felt like I was breaking. And I was Mm. saying, I feel like I'm breaking. I feel like I'm breaking. And then the next thing, there was this almighty push and both midwives had their hands beneath me and our baby just shot out. Hmm. The, The head, the body just shot out. So it wasn't as I've since discovered the head coming out and then turning and then the body coming out in the next contraction. It was just a massive almighty. Yeah, sometimes. Exactly. Sometimes they fly out. Sometimes they take their sweet time. Yeah. Yes. And something I appreciated about the midwives is that they they said to me, because by this stage I was just high, I was on another planet and I didn't even look at the baby. I was just so relieved that he was out and they were saying, look at your baby, look between your baby's legs. What is your baby? And then I looked and saw he's a little boy. And then they said, look at your stomach, bring yourself back. And they were touching my stomach. And um, I think initially they put the baby to my chest, although I don't remember that part. I was just down on the ground by the stage. But my husband removed his shirt and then they put the baby onto his chest. And he held the baby and spoke to them. And the reason for that, or spoke to the baby, the reason for that is because they saw that there was quite a a large amount of blood. And I had been low in iron before the birth, so they wanted to get the percent out as fast as possible so that they could just get a doctor in to do an examination. Which, you know, let me me just say that literally the worst thing to do when a mom is hemorrhaging is take her baby away on a hormonal and physiological, you know, level to remove the young, which is actually the thing that's going to balance you and bring in your prolactin and help release the placenta, you know, biologically, the, 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 baby mammal, you know, that the mother has just passed to remove that and pass it on is the most disruptive thing to do in a hemorrhage. And that's how it's Mm. handled in the hospitals. Yes. Okay. So they wanted to give me an injection to bring on the placenta. And before I had gone in to give birth, I had sat with the midwife and said, I don't want any medication. I don't want any intervention unless you say to me, Lau, this is necessary. So I truly trusted that she wouldn't do anything unnecessary to me unless it was so, unless she really felt it necessary. And so I really appreciated having my husband there because she said to me, I'm going to have to give you the injection to bring this placenta down as soon as possible. And Johanna stopped her and he he put his hand on me and said, Lau, do you understand that you're about to receive an injection to bring the placenta down? And I said, yes, if she says that it's necessary, let's do it. And so I really appreciated having him there because in that moment, you just, in a, on a different planet, mm-hmm. anything could have happened to me and I wouldn't have really known what was going on. So he really brought me back mm-hmm. to the moment. So they gave me the injection. They began intense massage on my abdomen. The placenta came down and then they moved me into the hospital bed just a couple of steps away and they put the baby straight onto me. Good. Yeah. And then the the midwives, so he began to start suckling and the midwives went to get the doctor who came in and they, uh, I believe they said to the doctor, we've got a potential second degree care, which is what you could see just from looking at me. 
And then the doctor came in and she assessed that I had a second degree tear, but she wanted to do an internal examination. And so at this stage, everything was beautiful. Everything was calm. We were so excited. And then the doctor did an internal examination. And then she discovered that, in fact, I had had what I've since found out is referred to as a buttonhole tear. So it is a fourth degree tear, but it's up inside the canal. Mm. So there was a tear from the anal canal to the vaginal canal, mm-hmm. about three centimeters up. So basically, everything changed. Yeah, It was just mayhem. And the doctor obviously wasn't expecting this to occur, and she must have really panicked because she just couldn't get her words out. She was really stressing and saying, this is bad, this is bad. Oh, my this God, really bad. come on, doctor. And so, yes, and I was so euphoric that I kind of wasn't there, but it was making my husband really nervous. And she was saying, I can't deal with this. I'm not qualified to deal with this. I'm going to need to call in um, a gynecological um, surgeon and you're going to need more help than I can give you. I can't deal with this. And so it was just a really stressful situation to be in. And it was as if the whole room went into a flurry and then all of a sudden, there was a drip in my arm, and the consultant came in, and he spoke to my husband, and my husband was so nervous, and he was saying to the doctor, have you done this before? Have you ever dealt with this before? And the doctor was really reassuring him, the surgeon. He was saying, I've done plenty of these before. It's okay. You just can remain calm. We'll be in surgery for 40 minutes, and she'll be fine. And so... I was with our son for an hour. He was on my chest and we had some time, just my husband and son and I alone in the room. And then they came in and then they wheeled me out Mm. and down into surgery. And then they left Johannes with our son in the hospital room. They took him to a separate room. And so now he's expecting, obviously, a 40-minute surgery because that's what he's been told. Mm. And I think they might have not prepared him for pre the prep to go into surgery and then also the recovery time. But there was a lack of communication because he was there with this brand-new baby. Now he's terrified because of the whole situation that's occurred yeah, at the course. end of this birth. And no one is telling him what's going on. He's just been left alone in a room with a brand-new baby. Oh, my God. And so he was really stressing. And then I was in surgery. They asked if I wanted to go under anesthetic or have a spinal tap, and I opted for anesthetic. And then I was gone for two hours in total. And you had to, they had to do this surgery right away? I'm not actually sure. I've never asked about it. The surgery went really well. Good. So I'm really happy that it all worked out and it went well. I'm not sure if it had to happen immediately. I do know it was a weekend. It was a Saturday. So the surgeon had to be called in and the um, emergency nurses had to be called in. So I wonder if, I'm not sure if that was the reason, but I, I don't know actually if it had to occur immediately, but it did. Yeah. So so it went well. Went in, it went really, really well. And in the time that obviously Johannes now panicking in the hospital room, he was holding the baby and just trying to remain calm and also researching what a fourth degree tear means, Aww. which didn't help the situation at all because in my circumstance, in fact, the fourth degree wasn't as bad as a real, a proper fourth degree externally would have been because the rectal muscle was unaffected by the T. Oh, good. So he just saw all of this re- all of this information on Google and then he's really starting to panic. And eventually he just walked out of the room with the screaming baby and pulled the doctor aside who had initially done the um, tear assessment and just said to her, what is happening with my wife? You can't just leave me alone here and not give me any information. And then she said, oh, no, no, she's already out of surgery. We're just waiting for her to wake up. She's absolutely fine. So That's, that, is, so that is high volume care in a nutshell. Mm, 
it was it was must have been so stressful for him. I can just imagine if it had been me, I would have been so panicked. And so eventually they wheeled me back in, and I was hooked up to an intensive um, antibiotic drip just in case there had been some transfer of. Um, bacteria from the anal canal into the vaginal canal and in case I was going to be at risk of some kind of life-threatening infection. And it just seemed so crazy to me because I had had this incredible natural experience, a totally drug-free birth. I hadn't had any anesthetic or any pain pain relief. And then all of a sudden, in the end, I'm under anesthetic. I'm hooked up to a drip. It was just Really, Ugh. it seems so crazy in the end. Wow, that yeah, is crazy. Then, yeah. Yes, and so I had to stay in the hospital for a couple of days on the strip, and they wanted me to stay longer. And Johan kept saying to me, no, we've got to get home. This isn't a place for getting better. This is a place for getting sicker. <laughs> yeah. He kept saying it. And then I, I felt like I needed to stay. I needed to be taken care of. But the one morning he took me outside with the baby and we just walked outside in the sunshine on the grass and it hit me. I just need to get out. I need to go home. So we just asked for the drip to be taken out of me, even though they still wanted to continue the course of antibiotics. And we just took the baby and we went home. And wow. I got better so much faster at home, just mm. in our own environment. And mm. it was also so helpful because my husband, he really, he took care of us. He cooked, he cleaned. He wouldn't allow me to do any sort of heavy lifting because he was really worried about the tea. And so I felt like I really, I think most women after they have a baby, you kind of feel like you've lost control of your life. It's such a crazy new experience. And he, the one thing I was allowed to do was hang out the washing. <laughs> he would let me take the bath, or he would take the basket outside and put it at the line, and then I would hang out the washing, and that <laughs> gave me a chance just to feel like I was so normal. <laughs> totally, I remember that with mine too. He he was like, "You are not allowed to do any laundry," because I had to walk downstairs <laughs> to do it, and it drove me crazy. <laughs> and I remember being like, "Okay, tell me when I'm allowed to do the laundry again." <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Or what am I allowed to do? Can I wash a dish or can I sweep? Because you just want to feel like totally. I remember making (laughs) when I made myself my first snack, and it was like pretty long after. Honestly, I mean, it was probably like over a week or ten days or something, which was pretty good that I had been restful and let him wait on me but when he was like outside or something when he wasn't looking I made myself a snack and by the end of me making the snack like I had totally reopened my little paper cut tears and it like totally hurt and I was like why did I do that (laughs) but I had to just make myself a snack exactly you'll do anything to feel normal (laughs) even if it's stupid Exactly. Okay, so so yeah. how does this so so keep going? So so how are you in your postpartum? When does this whole idea of birthing again outside of the hospital start to ruminate inside of you? All right. So after I had given birth to our first son, I went to have my six weeks checkup with the same surgeon who had who had done all of the reconstructive work after the care. And he said to me, so initially the doctor who had panicked had said to me, you'll never give, you'll never have a natural birth again, which I thought was so inappropriate because I was very vulnerable. And it just made me cry because I had felt like this was such a great experience. And so sad. it, It was straight afterwards. Yeah. So I was so sad. And that was one of the questions I had for the surgeon at the six week check. I just said to him, will I be able to deliver naturally again? And he said, absolutely. He said the only reason we wouldn't let you deliver naturally again is if you were having a baby that was really a lot bigger than your firstborn or else if you were going to have a multiple birth. Otherwise, you will be absolutely fine. And he put that in my medical notes. So then what happened was I fell pregnant with our second son. 
And I was adamant that because the surgeon had told me and because I had loved my natural birth experience so much that I wanted to do that again. Mm-hmm. So then I went to the hospital for my initial checkup with our a second son, and I was going to have the same midwife. But since then, that faculty of the hospital had closed down, and you had to go to a different city to give birth. And that meant that the midwife couldn't be our registered midwife, but she could be our supportive person in the room. Mm. So she was going to be there with us. And so basically in the lead-up, the surgeon who had fixed me had moved to a different state and there were new doctors and new surgeons and they stepped in and said that they had come to the decision that I couldn't have a natural birth again. Oh, that's nice of them to decide that for you. <laughs> wow. And How did I that feel them, to receive? I was so upset because I kept saying to them, but the surgeon who did my operation did such a good job and he was so confident in the fact that I would be able to have this vaginal delivery again. And they were just saying, we need to eliminate your our risk and your risk. And I was saying, I understand that, but what? where are your facts? How, how? Why do you feel like it's a risk for me to get birth again? And then they said there is no backup. In fact, there's no backup to say that I couldn't give um, natural birth again, but they were just scared that I would tear. So that is what they wanted me to do. Mm. All right. So then I um, so I was adamant with them. I'm going to have a natural delivery. I will not have a cesarean unless it's an emergency. I'm not going to elect for the cesarean. And then I was having all the checkups at the original hospital with my midwife, but then I was going to have to give birth in the other hospital, as I was saying. So when I went to go and have the maternity ward tour, then they said to me, oh, you're booking for a cesarean at 38 weeks. And then I said, no, no, there must be a miscommunication. I have made it clear that I don't want to have a cesarean electively. I know, and it's obviously there was a miscommunication between the hospitals, and they just wouldn't listen to me. And so I booked in to go and see a doctor there, and I sat down with her eventually after hours of waiting with all the other pregnant women. And then I said to her, I just want to reiterate my my decision to have a natural delivery. I understand the risks, and I am making this decision. And she said, look, at the end of the day, you are the one giving birth and you get to decide. We will only do a cesarean if it's an emergency, if that's what you want. And so then I felt a little bit better about that. I felt a bit more comfortable, but I still felt like I was in a lineup having sat with all of those other pregnant women. And so then that's when I came home and I saw this post about this woman called Lacey. And I've followed the link on her Instagram profile to your podcast. And suddenly this world opened up to me, this rebirthing world. I'd never heard of this concept. I'd never thought that, in fact, you could give birth without any help. You could just do it yourself. Right? Yes, I listened to her podcast and I couldn't believe she did it with her firstborn baby. And she was so confident in herself. And I thought, I'm confident too. I've done this before. I know that I can do it and I know that I can do it well. And so then my husband offered to deliver the baby. And that's where the seed was born after Lacey's podcast. So then we started making... It it makes me think about like if in the last couple generations it just happened in society that somebody else had to wipe your butt after you went to the bathroom. They just had to, like, that's just what happened. And anytime you had a bowel movement, somebody had to wipe your butt. And so in a couple generations, we have forgotten that we could actually do it. You know, it's like, it's so crazy how quickly this amnesia has occurred and and I'm totally with you because I remember I remember the moment as well when it was like, oh, wait a minute, of course I just do it anyway so I could just do it on my own. But it, it's just exactly. so fascinating because we're remembering something that 
is is almost so blindingly obvious, but has had such successful brainwashing in such a short period of time. It's so amazing. But anyway, so your husband was on board and he supported you. Yes, absolutely. And he's very calm and confident. And he, we started looking more into it and researching a bit more. I was doing a lot more of the research. He felt like he wanted his experience to just flow and he didn't want to be influenced by anything. So he was pretty confident in himself. But we I sort of started broaching the subject with people that I knew saying, oh, imagine if the baby, if I went into labor and then the baby just came out before I made it to the hospital. And the the way that people shut that down, mm. I just realized that I couldn't talk to anyone about it because it was just too terrifying a concept for them. Mm-hmm. And that I was afraid was going to influence my decision. Totally. So and you only you only so want to you only want to tell people about it after you've done it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then people people bite their tongue and just say thank goodness everything went well. That's totally. what I found. Yeah. <laughs> yes. yes. So basically we made this little secret plan and it was really exciting. And I went through the pregnancy. It was a beautiful pregnancy. And I was a lot more confident now, obviously, having been a mother and realized I love it and I'm good at it and I can do it. I was very excited about this baby and this birth. How did you feel being pregnant and knowing that you were going to free birth around this whole potential severe tearing? How did you like reckon that in your brain? I didn't. I didn't believe that I would tear again. Nice. And I don't know how. I just. I just had this faith. I don't know how I knew it. The doctors, because they were so worried about me wanting to do the natural delivery, wanted to do a scan very close to the due date just to check the size of our second baby and I opted to have the scan knowing that we were potentially going to have the baby ourselves and not telling anyone just so that I knew that the baby would be smaller and then once I found out that in fact he was quite a lot smaller than our firstborn I just knew that it was going to be fine that my body was ready for it and that is something that the the surgeon had said to me before he said your firstborn has paved the way and that's why your second baby you'll absolutely be able to deliver naturally and so I just believed that it was going to go well Mm -hmm. okay so take me to the birth okay so we go into labor and it was Overnight, I was starting to feel those little uncomfortable nickels. And then when we woke up in the morning, myself and my husband and our son, I said to him, I'm going to have this baby within the next 24 hours. I can really feel that he's, well, that the baby is coming. We didn't know that he was a boy or a girl. But um, then my husband just prepped breakfast for our son. And I was still able to work around the house, all the washing and all of that kind of thing and just continue on my day as normal and my husband was home for the day so he took our son down to the river and they went and played at the little park at the river and I took some time on my own and I centered myself and I told myself that I was going to do this and that it was going to be okay and I built a little altar in front of the fire with a beautiful carpet and lots of towels that I rolled up and laid there in front of the fire. And then I ran a warm bath. And when my husband and son came back, I was laboring in the bath. And then by this stage, I wasn't doing anything between contractions anymore. So it was sort of getting later in the day. And then I would get into the warm water and just lie down and then get on all fours once again for contractions and then get out of the bath and get on all fours on the mat and feel that cool and then back in the warmth. And then eventually I moved to our bed and I just lay on the bed and labored there. And it was there that I started to feel the doubt creep in and not doubt that we were going to have the baby at home, but the doubt that I could do it. And I, I kept saying to my husband, 
oh, it's so painful and I feel like I'm going into a negative space, not even realizing that I was in transition, which is so crazy in the mm-hmm. moment. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, but my husband was saying, no, now you can do this. You, you're going to do it and you're going to do it well. And then I uh, just lay there on the bed and our son was with us this whole time mm-hmm. and I had coconut oil and he had watched my husband rub the coconut oil onto my shoulders and he was very little and he was just copying what was going on so he was rubbing my shoulders and he was very much involved which was very special for us. And then I hmm. lay on the bed and my husband fed our son and it was heading into the evening now. So it was around five or six o'clock that I decided I wanted to move in front of the fire. And so then I crawled off the bed and crept to the fire and my husband was just continuing his day, giving our son soup. And I was just laboring there on the mat in front of the fire and just really centering myself and concentrating on what was happening and then the next thing I felt this incredible wave Mm. from my mouth down my throat down into my chest my stomach and I just felt it explode out the back of me and then my husband jumped up and said your water's broken I, I felt like I didn't know what had just happened because I hadn't had my water break with our son before and so, oh, it would have broken, but it wasn't such a massive thing. Right. I don't remember it happening at all. So it was just amazing that this wave went through me. Hmm. And then my husband got up from the table and he came and he put his hands on me and he said, you're doing really well. Your water's broken. I want you to just concentrate and keep breathing. And in the lead up to this breath, I had met this woman who had told me, do you know that you can? You actually don't have to push. Mm. You can actually breathe your baby out. And so my husband was really strict with telling me the whole time, you can breathe this baby out now, you can breathe this baby out, because obviously the desire to push is so overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And so I was just concentrating on breathing, and I could feel the contraction removing down my entire body as I was on all fours there in front of the fire. And then I felt the head starting to push down below of the baby. And my husband was behind me and my son next to me. And then um, I felt pain in the perineal area and I started to get really nervous. And I said to my husband, I I feel stretching. I can feel pain. And he said that he could actually see the perineal area starting to stretch out. Mm -hmm. And so he said to me, just breathe. I want you to arch your back like a cat. And I arched my back, and it was this instant relief, and I felt the head descend down Mm. into the canal. And then my husband said he just saw the head starting to come Hmm. through and starting to crown. And so that was so relieving. And then he said to me, breathe, breathe. And I breathed, and the head went back into my body. Mm -hmm. And then I felt that wave again, and the head came back out. And then I breathed, and it the head went back in and then on the third breath the head came out Mm. and then my husband grabbed the head and then on the next contraction slowly the body came out and he caught the baby and then I just heard him start crying and I went I turned around and just sat down and Johanna put the baby onto my chest and it was just so beautiful and Mm. calm And my son was there and he was touching the baby and saying eyes, nose, mouth and touching him. And we were all in this little huddle, the the four of us now, just in awe of what had happened Mm. and so proud of ourselves for having having done it. It was incredible. That is so beautiful. Yes. (laughs) I can totally picture it. And I'm remembering... When I first got your email, I just pulled it up while we were talking, and I just want to read it to everybody, just the first paragraph, because it's, you have been in my mind since you emailed me this, because it's such a big deal. You wrote, I'm a South African woman living in Tasmania with my husband and two beautiful boys, the second of which is a couple months old. I free birthed him in front of the warmth of our fire on a winter's night with just my husband and firstborn son present. Our firstborn was born naturally in the hospital, and I suffered a fourth-degree tear and was therefore advised that a cesarean section would be the most convenient option for the birth to eliminate risk. 
I mean, wow. And instead, and instead, yeah, you did that. And it's just, this, this is, this is taking back birth, you know? Yes, exactly. And just educating yourself and believing in the power of your own body and the power of your own baby. It's a natural thing. Right. You don't have to do anything. Giving birth is a natural thing. Exactly. You literally, your body knows what to do. You literally just need to stay home. (laughs) That's it. Just stay home. (laughs) And it'll happen. And you can keep your lights dimming. You can play your own music and you can light your own candles and you can be in your own environment with no one else telling you what to do or taking you out of your comfort or changing your scenario. Well, so, so I guess the big question then is how did your perineum do? I didn't even have a graze. Wow. It was amazing. So basically after we had given birth and Johan went and put Ibex into his bed, that's my first born son, our toddler. And then I sat with the baby and I felt the placenta coming down and our son was just on the breast suckling. And then it eventually moved out of me over a few hours. Mm -hmm. And then, and then um, we, I, re- I remember it coming down and it was very painful delivering the placenta, but then when it actually came out, it just felt so easy mm-hmm. compared to delivering a baby because the first time I didn't even feel the placenta come out because right. it was just so rushed. And then we decided we would just sit there and relax for hours. It was about six hours that we just sat and let our toddler sleep because it was probably seven in the evening already. And then when the baby was delivered and then we decided we would go and just have a check in the hospital to make sure I hadn't torn. And I desperately didn't want to go. I said to my husband, I feel fine. I feel like I haven't torn. But he was afraid that perhaps the hormones had helped obviously to eliminate that pain and that I might feel fine, but I might actually be injured. And so then we headed to the hospital and before we went into the hospital, I said to my husband, this is going to be really bad. It's going to change the whole situation because we're so calm. We've just been in a beautiful dark room. We've just done this incredible thing. And now we're going into a medical facility. And it was it was really intense going in there and getting the check and just receiving the judgment mm-hmm. of particularly one midwife who was just so angry with us and wow. she just she couldn't she clearly couldn't hide it. She was just really really angry. So and you you she, went you went in because your husband was nervous. Yes, and. He, and understandably so, because he said if I had torn and we didn't know it, he would feel so terrible. And there was no way that we could check internally because we we don't know how to check for a tear. And so I, we went in and the doctors checked us and we were fine. They looked at the baby. He was fine. Yeah. But they were really, they were really horrible to us. Oh, I'm so sorry. And I was just. Yes, I was so happy. I was so naive. I went in there saying, this was the best experience of my whole life. We planned this and we pulled it off. Mm. And it, it just, it went downhill from there because they obviously realized that it, I think mostly they assume the baby comes too quickly and you couldn't make it. Mm-hmm. But they, they realized it dawned upon them that in fact, this was absolutely our plan. And I think that made them really angry. Yeah, how but dare you? We didn't. Yeah, exactly. How dare you choose not to come and have us deliver your child? And so we we didn't let it affect us too badly. We were prepared, which was good, because we had discussed it on the way there. 
how they were they were definitely going to be quite cruel to us. And so we were prepared for it, but we just wanted to know that we that I was safe and okay and it turned out that I was absolutely fine. And, you know, let me just say for anyone listening who's planning their own free birth, um, not not yes. to diminish your story, but just for educational purposes, yes. Um, yes. I understand with your story that you had a serious situation with your first. So there was heightened trauma yes. um, and worry around the tear. But for anyone listening, you know, yes. who is going to free birth, the other option is you know, to give it a couple of days, let the swelling go down. And if, and when you do check it out, a tear is fairly obvious, you know, it's, it's visually you take a mirror and you look and, you know, if, if you've looked at your vagina, like you, you can tell if there is a tear or not. Cause it's, it's just like you could tell if there was a tear in any other part of your body. Right. Um, absolutely. you know, not to say that you made the wrong decision or anything like that. Like it's, it's all a learning yes. curve and you do what you need to do to, to exactly. feel, um, to feel comfortable. Absolutely. Yes. It's just that with the specific care that I had, because it was internal right, and right. you can actually see it from looking, from looking from the outside, it needed an internal check to for that initial doctor to find the tear through from the anal canal mm-hmm. to the vaginal canal. And that's why my husband was nervous because he felt like he wouldn't know. Sure, He didn't sure. know how to check if that had torn again. I can just, I'm just like picturing the moment when they told you that you didn't tear and you just being like, oh yeah, oh, oh. yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I was so proud. And uh, and that's exactly the doctor said to me, not even a grade. Oh, beautiful. And I was so yeah, that is so cool. And that just really speaks to the wisdom and intelligence of our body's ability to heal, you know, and that, and that you probably felt broken after that. And then you weren't, and your body totally healed, you know, a very serious, um, birth injury and went on to have another baby and your body totally protected itself when you had an undisturbed physiological birth with nobody messing with you. It's just so fascinating. Exactly. Yeah, it was beautiful. Exactly the way that it was supposed to be. It was absolutely fine and we were all healthy and fine and happy. That is so cool. I'm so proud of you. And then and then I want to tell you one thing that happened after the birth of this baby that I think was one of the most beautiful things that anyone could have done for me. It was this group of women, one of whom was the one who told me that in fact I could do some research about breathing the baby out rather than pushing so hard mm-hmm. as I did the first time. So it was this group of girls, of women that I met only during the lead up to the birth of our second born and they created this circle called the nourishing circle after he was um, born and they sent me a roster with each of their names and their week and then they would contact me at the beginning of the week and they would arrive with a meal for the entire family for that day Mm. so they would bring me just um, some food some smoothies for breakfast so that I didn't have to cook for one day of the week and it made such an incredible difference just to feel looked after by these women that I had only just recently met. That is so special. It was amazing. And then your partner doesn't have to do everything. Exactly, exactly. It was so special. And then since then, I've been part of Nourishing Circles for other women Hmm. who have given birth, and it makes such a difference. It's the greatest gift because I didn't ask for help, but I received the help. Mm. And so I didn't have to go through that awkward that awkward situation of asking for help if that's not the way that you're in class. Mm-hmm. They just came to me and they just helped me and it was so special. That is so nice. So for anyone listening, start a nurturing circle in your neighborhood and, exactly. and pass this on because it's such a simple and important idea. And yeah, because some people it's have, so have been like, are you going to start a meal train? And in even that, it's like just the the people starting it on their own and just coming by and bringing it by, I mean, that that's everything. Exactly. And then you obviously don't have to ask for that help and it makes exactly. such a difference. 
and people want to help you. Mm-hmm. Of course. Absolutely. Yes, they really want to help you. And if they have a way of doing it, they will come to your assistance when you need it. That's beautiful. Oh, what an epic yeah. tale. Yeah. That is so cool. Can I just also say thank you so much for facilitating this conversation? Because if it weren't for you, I would never have known that this was even a possibility. So really, you changed my life in that scene. That's crazy. Because it was really the most beautiful experience of my whole life. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I when I started this thing, I was thinking if one woman somewhere in the world could hear this story and it can help them have a better birth, like that is worth everything, yeah. you know, and absolutely that it has happened for you and, and for a lot of other women. It's just like, it's such a big deal. Exactly. And I told a, a lady in our community about it and she went on to free birth her second child That's recently, so about cool. six weeks ago. Yes. And Ugh. so the message is spreading, which wow. is fantastic. And, you know, so much of the message isn't even like, I don't necessarily think people should be birthing alone. That's, I mean, unless they want to, of Absolutely. course, but yeah. it's, it's yeah. the, the confidence yeah. that birth is normal, birth happens. And if you are not comfortable okay. with the support, which I'm putting air quotes around it with the care that you've signed up for with your hospital or your midwife, then get the fuck out of there and take control of your own situation and create a better experience for yourself, which is exactly what you did. And that has that, you know, that the lessons, like that story in your family and how that will affect your children's births and, and their stories and their, and their families. And when they find partners and if they wind up having children, you know, this story in your lineage now is so big and such a reclamation of something that we temporarily lost. It's just so powerful. Exactly. And just knowing that you have more than one option. Totally. When it comes to birth, you have so many options. And if you explore those options and you educate yourself, then you can make an educated decision. That's what I hear women all the time say, I can't afford a home birth. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You mean you can't afford a midwife? Because a home birth is free. You just don't leave your house and birth happens. Yes. <laughs> like, let's exactly. like, let's like remember what is really a home birth. It's not about who's there. Exactly. It's not about anything other than yourself. A home birth mm. doesn't cost money. You know, I, I mean, exactly. a kid costs money, but the birth itself, yes. you just stay at home and the birth baby comes exactly. out. <laughs> it literally exactly. is free birth. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well, that's amazing. I'm so glad we finally got to connect and I have thought of you so many times. I thought of you around my birthing time and I just have such a vision in my head of you birthing by the fire and you know, your partner and your older kid being there and just I just love your story and I'm so happy to have finally gotten you on the show. Me too, and thank you so so much for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Awesome. Okay. Take care, Lel. You too. That's it for today, everyone. Join us next week for another episode of the Free Birth Podcast. Thanks for joining us. And remember, your body, your choice. Lots of love.